in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hey, welcome everybody to another one of our live episodes that we're doing here for the $10 and above patrons on the top 10 show and for everybody, of course, but certainly the $10 and above patrons get this early. I am the mm-hmm. outlaw John Roca joined as always by this gentleman right there. How are you, Matt? Uh, I'm good. Um, I'm a, a Matt Nost. Uh, hopefully everybody in the chat is having a good day out there. And uh, I'm just jazzed about the announced friends reunion. You know what I mean? Uh <laughs> So excited. Are you really? It's Fuck being no. sarcastic. Yeah, thank who you. Ca- who cares? Yeah. I, a I, lot I, of people I, apparently really, really care. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know they have fans, but it's just like, I don't know. That, that show is such a time capsule mm-hmm. that I don't know why. And I'm not wishing them. I hope it's a success and everybody enjoys it and course, it's fun for all involved and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't really care. It's right. just the hoopla being made on Twitter. It's like, this is okay. You know, I, I never really watched the show. Like I've seen it. I'm not going to sit here and say I haven't, but I didn't right, watch it right. when it came out. I saw it in reruns. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you know, I do like the, as others pointed out, I didn't notice at the time, the idea that New York is so whitewashed. I mean, that's the way New York should be. You know what I mean? It's, that's <laughs> the most culturally, yeah. one of the most culturally diverse uh, cities in the world, but let's just see it from the white people's perspective. And I like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the list of, of individuals they're having guest starring. I don't even understand how this makes sense. It's yeah. fucking crazy. It's like 20 people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's because it's carry the load, man. They're just going to, this is going to be like the greatest hits in and out. You know what I'm saying? It took forever to make this happen. And they're probably getting paid a bazillion dollars each for doing it. Uh, and this is, this was the natural culmination. Don't you think Matt, like we've seen all these shows coming back like even fucking fraser is coming back for god's sakes so is it really yes yeah fraser got announced a few weeks ago so you know it started what with roseanne i guess coming back and then will and grace and then all these other shows coming back for these uh short stints even night court is now coming back apparently (laughs) with john larroquette yes playing and uh and melissa roush playing harry anderson's daughter and now she's the judge and apparently John Larroquette's character either is, is still an attorney or is the DA or something like that. So very, very interesting uh, situation. So it naturally culminated with the friends. And I hope after this, we're done bringing these old shows back because nothing screams. We got no new ideas than trying to bank on nostalgia for a short amount of time for ratings and, and, uh, and money from uh, sponsors. Um, I, who's excited about night court coming back? I mean, look, I love it when it was on, but it's without Harry Anderson. Is it going to be the same magic? I don't think so. I mean, you got to have John Larroquette. So at least they got that. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, But beyond that, like, I don't. And the friends thing, like, you know, your your assertion that they're going to pay them a lot of money. I'm pretty sure they're all happy to have the paycheck except for Aniston, who's, you know, had a booming movie career. So the rest Mm. of them are like, well, you know, uh, how much are we talking? I'm fine with, you know. 
some a hundred thousand to show up one day, like you know, ridiculous. They've all made enough money off that show. I don't yeah. know that uh, they necessarily need to pay them crazy amount, but yeah, wow, Frazier yeah. and Night Night Court makes no yeah. sense to me. Right, right, yeah. There's a number of them. Well, where's the Silver Spoons reunion? Is that one coming back? <laughs> I mean, Schroeder's still around, I think. <laughs> yeah, but I believe uh, he's kind of turned persona non grata here in Hollywood. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's yeah, so right. I don't know if uh, Silver Spoons is going to come back anytime soon. Uh, what are the uh, TV boots? Yeah, TV reboots and revivals. There are so many that are happening. Uh, yeah, the Gilmore Girls had one. Right, they did sure. one on Netflix for a long time. Then Will and Grace, they tried to bring back Charmed, and then some of the women from the old Charmed were upset about it. Um, yeah, there was uh, good. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. There's what I I was just trying to think of that one um, '70s show uh, about the family and like their super would come oh, in one day at a time. One yeah, day yeah, at yeah. a time. They brought yeah. that back. Yep, they're bringing back Party Down. Yeah. Sure. Uh, they're bringing back Frazier, as I said. They're bringing back uh, the real world. They did that already. Um, iCarly is apparently going to get come back. There's True Blood is rumored to be possibly coming back uh, with the reboot. Uh, Dexter is coming back. That's no yeah. bullshit. Um, the Proud Family is coming back. Punked is coming back under Chance the Rapper as the new host of that one. And of course, we saw the Saved by the Bell already. So, just so many of these shows coming back. And Small Wonder came back. With, no, not Small Wonder. What is it? The Punky Brewster with what's your face? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I say Small Prime. Wonder. When did that yeah. come back? Uh, <laughs> I like that. Trans. Was a paper thin premise in the eighties. That's right. Trans, my great grandmother is probably excited. <laughs> she probably is, but she was a huge Night Court yeah. fan. <laughs> I mean, Marshall Warfield is still around. Let's yeah, see if we bring her back. Around. Sure, sure. Uh, I believe the gentleman that played Bull has passed away. Richard Mull, yes. Richard Mull, there you go. I believe yeah. he's passed away. Uh, what's her name? She's got a ridiculous name. She Marky was the Post. Marky Post. Post. Yeah. <sighs> I, I wonder if she's still her. around. I, I believe she's still around. Yeah, I feel like she's still kicking. She was uh, great. She was. I had a thing for her, man. She was cute on the show. Oh yeah, she was. She was a uh, you know. The height of her powers, so to yep. speak. Um, yep, still working. Did a film in 2019, Christmas Reservations. I'm going to assume that's a, a Lifetime movie, Christmas Lifetime movie. Oh, dude, around Christmas time, I was on uh, Netflix, yeah. and the sheer number oh, yeah. of Christmas movies that they make where it's, you know, she's a successful dentist. <laughs> but moves to a small town and he's a lumberjack and teaches her. And they're like, what the, f-? that's one. And there's there, I mean, there's a hundred yeah. of the same premise over and over and over again. I oh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess they're just cheap and easy to make a friend of mine. It's a factory. Um, it is a factory. A friend of mine. Um, so he's a, a screenwriter mm. and he was like in a lull. So he wrote a movie specifically for Lifetime, and he went and watched like 20 Lifetime Ooh. and just stole the formula of, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, the outline of every one of these, and then just cobbled together the greatest hits from all 20 of them. And Lifetime <laughs> bought the script. And they're like, this is perfect. And he's like, I just took all the ideas that you're already putting up. 
<laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Just, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a factory. So yeah. Yeah. I have uh, two friends or oh, I have a friend who shot two of those movies. She's an up and coming director and she shot a couple of those films. You know, she's pretty proud of it, but you know, it's, a, it's, I guess it's good on the resume. You get experience working on a sure. set quick, you know, cause those, those things are like you, like we said, is a factory. So they got to get them done, but yeah, they are way out there, man. And, and certain people like them. Certain people like yeah. them, I know, because they wouldn't make them if people didn't watch them in large numbers. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, middle-aged women. Yeah, it's like Just, 20. I think it was 20 of them last year, man, out of lifetime. Crazy. Uh, I mean, I was baffled that there's that many and there's that much of a demand. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, at the same time, like I, I don't know. Maybe it's like five per year and they just Netflix owns the rights to a bunch of them, whatnot, and that they've got the previous 10 years worth of but at the same time, that's not made for you or I. So yeah, right. it flies under the radar until we're kind of hit in the face with it. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, wow. There's an entire cornucopia of these movies that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, true. Good point. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but we we are not going to be counting now the top 10 lifetime Christmas movies on the show. Although maybe one day. <laughs> maybe. I don't know if I've ever seen a lifetime movie. Really? Well, you've seen The Blind Side. That's essentially a lifetime movie. Um, well, essentially and actually are two different things. I guess so. I guess so. And if that's the best lifetime ever has to offer, that movie's, you know, f- mediocre. It's fine. Green Book. That's another lifetime movie. Um, Yeah, for sure. But uh, today we're counting down the top 10 films about fighting. And we've run the gamut. Um, we said it uh, could be boxing, could be MMA, could be martial arts, whatever we want to do. Uh, so there were a lot to choose from, obviously, a lot of classics, a lot of uh, newer ones, a lot of ones kind of in between both. So uh, we're definitely going to get into that. Um, and who did we did someone suggest this or something off of we saw on IMDb? Now, it was something off of upcoming because um, okay. we uh, we sat down and, and went through the upcoming release schedule. Oh, yeah. And there was some sort of fighting movie. And we were just like, hey, what about the generic just fighting and then we can do oh, yeah, any of these, but I, I, for the life of me, could not tell you what it was uh, based upon. I think it's American fighter is what is, is coming out next in this gritty action tale. A young wrestler competes in the world of underground fighting to raise money for his ailing mother. Okay. Uh, Sean Patrick Flannery is in this one. Wow. All right. Where do I know Sean Patrick Flannery from? Uh, powder. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I haven't seen him in a minute. Yeah, Pat Boondock Saints. He's in the Boondock Saints. Well, that's a strike against. <laughs> I don't understand the people that like that movie. Yeah, it, people it, worship that movie too. Oh, yeah. baffles me. I've I got a friend that that's one of his favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't understand how that's even remotely possible. I mean, is he a bit of a meathead? Yeah. yeah. He's a, one of those, you know, he's got a heart of gold. He's a right. really sweet guy. But, you know, he's got this, yeah. uh, well, he used to wear this, like, uh, Affliction-style Boondock Saints shirt that he would wear. And you're like, oh, dude, wow. that is that is as gaudy as the movie itself. <laughs> uh, I don't understand the love of that. And then I think the documentary about it is fascinating. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Agreed. But the movie itself is just atrocious. Well, speaking of Christmas movies, Sean Patrick Flannery has a Christmas movie coming. It's called it's called All I Want 
as a iPhone type font. All I want for Christmas. Uh, a young girl stumbles upon a Christmas caper involving a fleet of small robots that just not might not be the toys that they seeing while helping several friends get Santa's attention for putting them on the naughty list. There you go, Sean Patrick Flannery. Yeah. I mean, at least that's an interesting and unique idea. It's I like small so. soldiers Christmas style. Oh, yeah, that's what it actually feels like. Yeah, good point. Um, as opposed to these cookie cutter yeah. of the others we were discussing before. Uh, but yeah, so we were just like fight, fighting movies. Why not? Let's, yeah. uh, you know, and I will say this. So a uh, full disclosure, I feel like shit today. Uh, cause I had my second shot and uh, no bueno. So I just made my list of movies that I would watch today. <laughs> uh, I've ordered them out. I like it. of like, this is what I am in the mood for today. Yeah. And that's, that's it. That's how I made my list because my brain is pretty mush. Yeah. Uh, so I was just like, you know, that's that's how I'm going to order my list. People are going to take offense at some of the uh, placements, but I don't I don't care today. Yeah. This is this is fine. I'm going to go back to lying down once we are done recording and uh, hypothetically watch one of these. I don't know. I, I respect it. I respect it. I I had my shot on Tuesday. Wednesday was a, a, a fucking mess. And today I'm much better as we're recording this. So I totally get it, man. It hit me around 7 p.m. on Tuesday. After I'd gotten the shot at eleven thirty, it is no joke. It is no joke. Yeah. So uh, it will take you down, but it'll it'll go once it goes through you, man. It you'll it'll be it almost be like overnight. You're gonna feel better, uh, and you'll be fine. But yeah, it's it's no joke for for a couple of days for sure. Um, yeah, I canceled everything on those two days in terms of doing stuff for the channel because I was like, I can't. I, I am no condition, man. No condition at all. Yeah. yeah. So I was crazy nauseous. The first night. Yeah. Yeah. We ended up, you know, by the toilet numerous times. You're like, this is, this is, this is brutal. It's worth it though. It's entirely worth it. Yeah. I'm happy to be suffering. Exactly. This is, I'm protecting myself against uh, something that uh, sucks and it helps me get back to any kind of normalcy. And I'm all for that. Yeah. Uh, So it is worth it. It is. Well, let me help Matt out because I know Matt's been Matt's under the weather a little bit. So I'll do the thing. Listen, gentlemen, this is how the show works. Each of us comes up uh, with uh, 10 uh, uh, nominees, uh, one through 10 for this list. We count mm-hmm. them down. Uh, we start. Uh, Matt starts with his three. I start with my three uh, from 10 through seven and then, oh, 10 through six or oh, 10 through eight rather. And then we go uh, the next two, seven and six. And then we go one apiece all the way up to number one. Then we battle it out. I have a coin today from my side. Uh, right. We battle it out to combine things and uh, uh, play them out on the bongos and give you our final list. And once again, this is one that we um, uh, this is something that we're going to be doing every second and fourth Thursdays of the month uh, for every month for our $10 and above patrons. You get to watch the show live. You get to know what the topic is live and you get to comment on the side here. Uh, and Matt, do you want to address any of these comments? People are asking about um, uh, the, uh, the Warriors and the Lakers being seven, eight in the playoff in the playing tournament. Uh, any comments on that? Matt Nost. Um, well, I mean, uh, technically the Lakers could still get out of it. Uh, they just, yeah, yeah, they need Dallas to lose and they need to win. Um, it's still possible. I don't know who owns the tiebreaker though, if they end up with the same record. So I'd have to look up that. I looked that up on ESPN this morning. Apparently if the Blazers or the Mavericks go 0 and 2 and the Lakers go 2 and 0, 
they are automatically out of the play-in tournament and back up uh, in the uh, in the slot there. If they if they both go zero and two and the Lakers go two and zero, the Lakers jump to five. So pretty crazy to see it that close. So I mean, we'll see. The yeah. Lakers got a close win last night with no LeBron and AD, but simultaneously Portland. In their last yeah. 10 games, they're 9-1. They have the number one offense in the league and the number yeah. 11 defense. So they're playing pretty good basketball right now. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I would be more focused on potentially Dallas. Um, and technically, if, if if you guys win your next game, then you knock us out and you've officially made the play-in game. Hey-o. But if you lose out your last two and we win ours, then you fall out, although I don't see that happening. I don't think you have to really worry about that. I can't believe we lost to the Hawks twice. It's really frustrating. When we had that game, the first game we had them dead to rights with Russell if he just drove the lane. I know. that. I don't know why because there's four seconds left on the shot clock. You have plenty of time. You're not a good three-point shooter, although that game he shot well. He did. uh, I just think he wanted – to sh- I wanted he wanted to break the record on the same night he won a game with a three pointer, which is what a lot of critics have always dinged him for. And instead, he should have drove the lane, tried to get contact, or tried to sneak in and get that two pointer to win it. So, uh, cost us position though, which which is frustrating. So whatever, we'll see what happens uh, because we might end up playing the Hawks in the playoffs uh, down the road if we handle yeah. business in the playing tournament. So they got a lot of firepower. Yeah. Yeah, they do, man. I hate it. Um, anyway, all right, so we're going to get into this thing uh, and count down our top 10 movies about fighting. Uh, Matt Nose, please take it away. So the only um, thing I tried to do for the movies I chose, I didn't want any guns or since we including boxing and whatnot, I mm. wanted like some sort of sanctioned fight within yes, it. Yes, yes. That's what I was going for. So something like somebody in the comments asked about the raid. The raid does not make my list because there's guns and there's, you know, whatever else. And I was looking for mm-hmm. sanctioned fighting within it. That's what that's what I was kind of hedging towards. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the only thing I did for my list. All right. So at 10, I've got Southpaw. Oh, nice choice. Okay, cool. Um, Go ahead, my man. As we've discussed in the past, I think the first third of the movie is atrocious. Mm-hmm. But the final two thirds is magnificent. The relationship that he has with his daughter is flat out amazing. And it's part of this run for uh, Gyllenhaal where he's got this and he's got Nightcrawler and he just kept transforming forming himself yeah. and doing these completely different parts of bringing to life characters that are unique. And uh, it's, it's impressive. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it vaults him from an actor who I found interesting to somebody who I think is really excellent at their job yeah yeah uh and it's always cool when you see an actor do that they you know make a gear shift at southpaw you know if if you took out that first third i think that movie is pretty fan or at least cleaned up the wife can still die but we don't need it for the circumstances that that happened there because there's no payoff in the end so why not make it like a car crash yeah yeah and same same outcome he is destroyed um we don't have all the nonsense of (laughs) him trying to like a meeting with the cops and there's no resolution to that. And the, yeah, yeah. the other fight, like, or whatever, but yeah. I think the second two thirds of, of, or the two thirds of that movie, the second half of it uh, is really excellent and yeah. uh, great acting from him and the, the young actress. Um, 
I don't know. Yeah. I like the the storyline of him having to basically humble himself and to retrain and to to climb his way back up into contention. Um and the reality of he is basically he's outspending what he's making. So yeah. if that money dries up, he ends up, you know, in the situation he's at. It seems a little far fetched on some level because he would have assets to sell and whatnot unless he was yeah. leveraged uh to the hilt. And anyway, um yeah. but I think Southball's if you can get through the absurdity of the a bunch of things that happen in the first, you know, 25, 30% of the movie. Yeah. I think that the, the rest of it is excellent. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. I, I like the movie um, even with the dings that you rightly point out uh, for sure. Uh, but the acting between Hall and Forrest Whitaker, the connection mm-hmm. they have throughout the movie is really what sells it. And especially when stuff happens to Forrest Whitaker, you know, he's been given the advice through most of the movie. Uh, once he gets hooked up with, uh, with Hall after all the stuff that happens with his wife, he's the one giving him the advice, kind of bringing him back to life. But then that, then there's this moment that happens to Forrest Whitaker where Jake Gyllenhaal's character gets to kind of give some advice himself to help force Whitaker out. That's kind of rarity. You know, usually it's, it's, you know, it's the trainer just kind of guiding the boxer to the top. It's rare when the boxer ends up helping the trainer as well within yeah. the same movie. So I enjoyed that very, very much in the relationship with his daughter uh, and the stuff with Naomi Harris as well. Like the small parts that she yeah. gets, you get to enjoy her work. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just as Jake, like full on, just absolutely bonkers crazy in some moments but then you also feel sympathy for him because he's not that smart he was never educated never trained and a lot of boxers get into this business um uh and they aren't that smart they aren't that educated they're not they don't have a good team behind them and they get effed over in the end you know by promoters who are smarter or lawyers or whatever so it's just like that kind of situation i like that they highlighted that uh overall Yeah. yeah he grew up in an orphanage yeah, in right. New York, and uh, turned to fighting instead of education. Yeah, so it makes sense that he's not the brightest bulb, right? Uh, but he has a good heart. He ultimately, does. he cares for his daughter very much. You know, yeah. and he's he has to realize that uh, he can't trade in on his anger if he wants to achieve what he wants to achieve uh, in terms of his relationship with his daughter, but also to mm-hmm. move on with his life. You know? Yeah, so it's a tough lesson for people who are, you know trained from young age to fight back to fight for your place in life it's hard to kind of turn that off and understand that you don't need that in every situation so um what's your nine man uh my nine is uh it's a stretch for fighting so to speak but you'll see in a second okay. uh, beyond the mat the documentary oh that's a great choice yeah go ahead man uh okay so it's about wrestlers mm-hmm. uh mick foley and uh jake the snake are the two yeah. focuses of the documentary itself, but it's a fascinating peek behind the curtain of what they go through. And I don't, it's a side of wrestling that you up until that point, I never got to see. And yeah. I had stopped watching wrestling long before, but it's still wildly popular and whatnot. And to see these individuals in a new light and the pitfalls of existing uh, in that world. And then, you know, I was lucky enough to to get to meet and and know a, a little bit uh, Roddy Piper. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Before he died, um, and to hear him tell stories of what it was like, you know, when he first started in the wrestling world. Yeah, and it's just a fascinating 
you know, subset of entertainment that doesn't, you don't ever really shine a light on. Now it's, it's different now because they have the television shows and pay-per-view events and, uh, oh, the pay-per-view doesn't really exist anymore. Right. That's all now part of a streaming service that. Yeah. With, uh, with WWE. Yes. Yeah. It's on Peacock now. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it took somebody I didn't know, Mick Foley and, really humanized an individual that played, you know, this mankind kind of mm-hmm. inhuman individual that was there, the, yeah. you know, Undertaker style. Like it's, uh, I can't tell, you know, what his deal is. And to see the turmoil that it causes on his family, like his mm, kids right. watching the fights and seeing him, you know, get beat up and whatnot and have to come back and be like, daddy's fine. Daddy's fine. Like everything's right. okay. And, uh, I don't know. I just found it really interesting. And then the Jake, the snake, man, that is a dark, Oof. deep abyss. That dude has, mm-hmm. that dude has stories that he did not tell that I don't even want to hear because <laughs> it's, I mean, it yeah. is dark. And that's why it, there's an, a, the, the documentary on Jake, the snake that came out a few years after beyond the mat is is fantastic and people should watch it because it shows his ascension out of that dark hole um uh through the ddp through ddp yoga and being Mm. and living at ddp's house yeah him him and scott hall kind of overcoming their addictions to uh drugs and their self-destructive impulses and their suicidal thoughts and mental health issues and being you know kind of taken out of those places by DDP doing the Lord's work really for a lot of people. So it's an, it's true. That's such a great time capsule beyond the Mac. Cause it's also the rock before he's really the rock. Ah, true. Uh, and you also get spike Dudley, which is really interesting. The, the smaller of all the Dudleys. And he's like talking about Shakespeare and that he teaches at an English at a, at a middle school or something like that. And it's like, yeah, I just do the wrestling on the side and then do a real job in the daytime because at the time, Spike's not a big, you know, making, uh, you know, making like rock money or, or stone cold money. So he's got to do what he can to pay his bills. And he does this on the side because he loves it. So it's a great window into this idea that, you know, these guys are just like, you know, mindless brutes who go and do this thing for, yeah. for fun. They're actually a lot more intelligent than you think and a lot more aware of the world than you think. So Yeah, they're multifaceted as opposed to the meathead idiots you assume. Yeah, exactly. Just the roided out type of. Right. Anyway, and not that there aren't guys like that. Yeah, exactly. This is this wanted to break that stigma that they're all like that. Uh, All right. What's your uh, eight? My eight. Once again, this is movies that I would watch today. Okay. Yes. Right. Is Raging Bull. Oh, nice choice. You would watch Raging Bull today in the condition that you're in. Well, it's a fighting movie. You know, it's it's an all timer. But at the same time, just like I don't know if I can muster the energy to watch Raging Bull today. So that's why it ends up lower on my list. Is it not on yours? Uh, no, it's not on mine. No. Um, I kind of went, and I'll tell you why when we get to, to my list. Yeah, but go okay. ahead. Um, a nice peek yeah. at the life of uh, Jake LaMotta and how self-destructive he was. It's those around him that cared most about him, you know, with Joe Pesci as his brother and just completely suspect of him when, he feels that, you know, uh, horning in on his girl and it's like, what are you talking about? And just the paranoia that he exists in and ultimately where he ends up of this kind of sad shell of his former self, wanting to yeah. be a, a lounge singer, life of the party 
So he has his own place type of thing. And it's this rise and fall. Uh, it's really fascinating to watch. Um, but it's a, you know, it's a heavy movie and I don't, it's why it ends up at eight. I'm not sure today that I could make it through. Uh, and in reality, it would probably be the last movie I could watch today, but that putting it 10 felt a little too low, even yeah. though eight's not far off. So, uh, you know, Raging Bull is an excellent movie. Um, I love the choice of uh, the black and white uh, to harken back to an earlier time in boxing. Definitely. Um, yeah. I, I, great choices all around from Scorsese, De Niro, Pesci, just good book, Kathy Moriarty. Yeah. Um, just an excellent movie, but I, I'm pretty sure we've talked about it a number of times. So we have Mason Sastra says, I have yet to see Raging Bull because every time people talk about it, it sounds, it just sounds like a brutal experience. Uh, that's true, but that's film. But the brutal experience is as we spoke with about Jake, the snake just a few seconds ago, it's about a guy who turns to his anger and his fists to navigate the world and what that costs him as he gets older, his marriage, his relationship with his brother, mm-hmm. and how has, he has to really be humbled by the world and see and accept the humbling and change and then try to ask for forgiveness uh, later on in life from all the people that he damaged and he hurt. So as brutal as it may be, it's also a very powerful lesson about um, how you can't walk through the world with rage or anger being your reaction to everything. you know. And so- True. It's really well done. That's that scene in the jail when he's punching the wall. Yeah. And, and you find out that was actually De Niro punching the wall. So when he's crying, he's like legitimately crying from the pain that he put himself through. It's just like, whoa, man. So, yeah. So, um, all right. So that's your eight, right? Yep. All right. So approaching my list, I wanted to do films that we hadn't talked about mixed in with some that we had, but also some, some kind of unusual choices. So I just had a little fun with this list because you could go, you know, it goes standard stuff. Uh, But uh, I wanted to throw some, some fun ones up there. And one that recently came into my purview again, which I hadn't thought about in a very long time is the original gladiator, not the one that Russell Crowe did. Oh, Cuba. Yeah. Or the one with Cuba Gooding Jr. Good choice. Yeah. Marshall. Yeah. Yeah. Dennehy. Yeah. It's been a long time, but we were having a random conversation with some friends of mine on, on, uh, on text the other day. And that movie came up and I just watched like an hour of it. And I was like, this is still damn good. This still Mm -hmm. holds up for what it is. And it's certainly a time capsule of early nineties films and high school. And it's a low budget film but I mean, you've got Ozzy Davis up in here being the cut man. And it's okay. basically about this, this uh, white kid who goes into this inner city uh, place and has to kind of navigate the politics of the inner city as it gets involved in this underground fighting ring because he's a trained boxer. He's got to make money and all he confronts and the relationship he develops, the friendship with Cuba Gooding Jr. And then the corruption of Brian Dennehy. Uh, and I remember that it leads to this confrontation between him, Brian Dennehy, and that moment where Dennehy is slamming his head into his fist. I never knew that that's something you could do to kind of counter someone punching you is to time your headbutt to yeah. their fist. So it essentially so it breaks their hand. It breaks their hand or it stops yeah. their motion and sends the punch punches vibration through them instead of putting it through the person they're punching. So it's some, some really interesting uh, moments in the film, but Overall, just really enjoyed uh, that as a time capsule film and a film that deserves a little more conversation about it when people talk about fighting films. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it's a good choice. I haven't seen it in so long, but yeah. I still remember the Dennehy fighting. Yeah, and doing the head bob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Breaking the guy's, um, uh, uh, breaking the guy's hand and whatnot. But uh, uh, yeah, good choice. Yeah, and uh, Cara Buono is the love interest, and she's the mom in Stranger Things. The other mom, not Winona Ryder. She's the other mom in Stranger Things. So still working, Cara Buono. Mm-hmm. So and Cuba Gooding, and this is Cuba Gooding before he becomes Jerry Maguire and all this kind of shit. He's kind of a badass in this movie. People need to go back and remember that Cuba can play a badass when he wants to play a badass. Uh, so just a reminder there for any of you who haven't seen it. Um, all right. So then my number nine is Kung Fu Hustle. Okay. I yeah. haven't seen it. I've seen clips, but I've never seen oh, it. Okay. Yeah. This is one that I go back to and watch because it's just so funny in terms of the martial arts. And look, I was tempted to put on like 35 martial arts movies, but like to me, I wanted to do something that, not, you know, we don't really talk about that much. And I thought Kung Fu Hustle was a great choice. Uh, you know, the, the comedic approach to mm-hmm. martial arts and the fantastical approach to martial arts, but also uh, some, uh, but also a storyline that kind of you could that had a little more darkness to it than you would expect. You know, this kind of hardcore, uh, vicious gang of martial artists that is trying to take over this whole town and how they get beat back by the old school uh, martial artists because of their kind of more elemental approach to the craft so just and and in between is the main guy i forget his name the main guy does all these movies but in between is him trying to figure out what side of the fence he needs to be on and he's just kind of a coward through most of it but it's played for laughs and it's very funny and the fighting sequences are stellar in their design you know almost busby berkeley-esque in their design when the larger shots are taken okay Uh, but overall just an enjoyable funny film uh, from that guy. I wish I, I, sorry, I don't remember his name, but he's done a few of these films uh, overall. Uh, Stephen Chow. That's it, Stephen Chow. So, yeah, if you haven't seen Kung Fu Hustle and Matt, you say you haven't, I recommend it. It's good. He does a nice, a lot of nice work. Um, okay. And then my number eight is the Jean Claude Van Damme masterpiece, Bloodsport. I don't know if that's on your list. That's called a punt. My <laughs> okay, friend. It's a punt. Fantastic. That's a punt. All right, let's go to your uh, seven, bro. Uh, seven is Million Dollar Baby. Yeah. Oh, nice choice. Uh, let me see if I've got that on my list. No, I left that one off, but please go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, just a, you know, what's interesting, and I've said this in the past, mm. but it actually taught me things about boxing that I didn't know after having watched the sport for a long time, but just like subtle little things of shifting your weight on the ball of your foot as yeah. you snap your jab type of things. You're like, Oh, that's interesting. So the, you know, uh, just to learn the mechanics and the physiology of what you're doing on top of, I, I resisted seeing the movie for a while. Uh, Cause I think I just get overhyped and Clint always gets his due come Oscar time. Doesn't matter how right. good or bad the movie is or, you know, average the movie is, I guess. Um, and then once I finally saw it, I was like, oh, I was wrong. I shouldn't have held off having seen this. You get a great performance from him, Hillary Swank, Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Um, but the bond that they have, uh, you know, at the end when he does what he does, like you, you feel it almost as much as his character does. Yeah. Uh, see like the, the shittiness of her family that just look at her as a cash cow, as opposed to an actual human who's now suffering through a terrible, uh, you know, change in her life and she feels as i guess understandably so that her life is over 
um, it's just difficult to deal with. But the build throughout as she kind of proves her bona fides, because she initially comes to him and was like, I want to fight. I want you to train me. And yeah. he's just like, whatever. Like, I'm not dealing with your nonsense. Um, and the bond that they slowly create over time and then ultimately what happens between the two of them. It's just it's, the resolution, the payoff of that is so impactful that uh, that's why I included it on my list. Yeah, the only reason they put on my list is because the fight scenes aren't that long. She knocks people out like the first round through most mm-hmm. of the movie. So for me, I was like, ah, if I want to focus on the fighting, I want to see some more of the fighting itself overall. So in the end, that's why I didn't put it on. But she's absolutely right. It's a fucking great film, man. It was great revisiting it recently again and just kind of going through it and seeing how many damn good actors are in there in small roles. You know, Michael Pena, Anthony Mackie, Jay Baruchel are all in that gym with him. And of course, mm-hmm. Morgan doing his uh, thing with Clint, like unforgiven. Um, it's great to see. And you, you know, dude, we all forget about Hillary Swank, dude, still two time Oscar winner. And she can't get a lead to save her life. And I saw her in the share that space movie on Netflix and no one saw it. So it's just like, it's a weird situation and she's so goddamn talented and she's yeah. great in this movie, man. She is heartbreakingly awesome in this movie. Uh, so by the end, when she does what she does, you're just like devastated by the decision. Um, and yeah, her family is, you know, a bunch of trash. Um, and, it, you know, Margot Martin is just doing a great job there. It's just the biggest yeah. piece of trash. Just <laughs> <Totally>. terrible. <laughs> um, all right. What's your six? Uh, my six is Karate Kid. Oh, it made it. It made it. Hold on. Got to give some love to Matthew Simmons, who said, give me Karate Kid or give me death. I like it. I like it. Well, there you go, Mr. Simmons. Uh, I agree. There is, you know, a lot of fighting throughout. Yeah. But uh, a movie that I flat out loved as a kid. I still enjoy it. But it was so huge when I was a kid. Saw this thing a million times. Did the crane kick thing with my friends. Right. Started my love affair with Elizabeth Shue. Yeah. Um, and she, you know, went on. Now she's uh, been working pretty steadily for the, the next 30 some odd years. Oh, yeah. That's uh, her thing. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, I mean, the, the first one is so good that I watched. I was excited to see the second one, saw it in the theater. Mm. Uh, and the third one. I didn't see it in the theater, but I did see it eventually. Yeah. And uh, I saw the remake with Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith. Ooh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, it's got it. No, I didn't see the remake in the theater. I saw it once it came out on some streaming platform right. or whatever the case is. But right. I did eventually see it. I thought it was good. I thought it was yeah. all right. Like basically creating a karate kid for a new generation. Totally. Um, but yeah, just, uh, you know, I, I moved a lot as a kid. So the idea of moving to a new town and trying to fit in and understand the dynamics and the hierarchy within the social settings of, of that new city is something that I could identify with and understand. Um, and to see LaRusso come from a completely different existence on the East Coast all the way out here to the West mm. and then trying to fit in uh, and not really understanding um, exactly how things, you know, the lay of the land here, so to speak. Uh and I like the bond that he has with Miyagi, mm-hmm. this paternal kind of influence uh, within his life and the just the, the 
the interplay between those two actors, they really created some some great chemistry. For sure. Uh, For sure. I've actually seen pictures of where that, that house is now. Um, oh, Miyagi's yeah. house. Right. Uh, but it was somewhere online. I saw, you know, during quarantine, I was like, Oh, never thought about that. That does exist out here somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, you have all the fighting. You do have the Valley tournament on top of the fighting that he gets into with the kids yeah. in and around school and events and stuff like that. Um, and I, you know, how often has karate kid come up on a list? So I figured why not? Yeah. 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 Great choice. I mean, a lot of people love karate kid. And so uh, it's a great choice for sure. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, what can you say? And the Cobra Kai series, if you haven't watched it, I mean, getting to revisit Daniel LaRusso, it kind of washes out Karate Kid 3 from your brain and you can just focus on the situation with him and and Johnny Lawrence. Yeah, there are some cheesy moments, of course, because they're trying to appeal to young adults. uh, But Mm -hmm. overall, I think it's pretty good. And, um, you know, almost everybody who's alive comes back, has come back either for an episode or two or for a whole series long arc. So that was nice to see uh, in that series. And, there's rumors that Hillary Swank might come in uh, in the next season. And they're, oh, okay. already, yeah, they're already talking to the bad dude from Karate 3, Karate Kid 3, Thomas Ian Griffith. They're already talking to him to come back uh, to reprise his role in this whole situation. Uh, so could, it's season four could be quite interesting on a number of levels for sure. But yeah, Karate Kid's great. It's such a classic, 1984. Uh, same guy who did Rocky, same director who did Rocky. So you got to give it oh, up. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, John that's G. Alveston. Yeah, yeah. So, got to give it up to him for sure. Um, all right, and what, that was your six. That is my six. Okay, so then my seven is uh, one of my favorite Jet Li movies that nobody seems to talk about, called Unleashed. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. The fighting scenes in that movie are absolutely excellent, uh, and the, so it all basically is this. Uh, Bob Hoskins is this gangster who mm-hmm. kills Jet Li's mom when he's a young kid. They find him hiding under the bed. They take him in and they essentially turn him into a pit bull, a fighting dog. Yeah. So much so that he is conditioned that when they put a collar on him, that he is docile and is yanked around by the collar like a dog. And when they take the collar off and they put him in the pit, he fights. And uh, this one has a little more of, of, um, I'm going to say a little more of a human point, humanist point of view to it because he ends up stumbling. One of these, one of these moments where he escapes after a car accident, he ends up stumbling into this, I think church or into this place. And mm. it's the blind girl uh, who who's from Rome. She teaches like him how to kind of be a part of the world a little bit. Morgan Freeman is there as well. Oh no, Morgan Freeman's the blind one. She's not blind. Morgan Freeman's blind. And they kind of teach him how to kind of come back into the world. But then Bob Hoskins finds him. And so he has to kind of battle between going back to this world of being a fighter and breaking out of this world and kind of embracing a possible new life. So it's pretty awesome. But the fight sequences in the pit, in the concrete pit, are badass uh, and pretty brutal. So uh, And the whole film has this kind of like bluish hue to it throughout uh, and I think it's a, a film that nobody talks about that much. And yet yeah. I think it's probably the best Jet Li film he's done stateside, in my opinion. So, yeah. Well, yeah, once you qualify states, because I haven't seen some of the Chinese films. Mm. Um, yeah. Like The One or Once Upon a Time in China. I've never right. seen either right. of those. Uh, but I have seen Unleashed. It is good. 
Bob yeah. Hoskins oh. playing a heavy again is oh. it, it's crazy that he can go from that to Shmi. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, but I mean, he plays such an amazing yeah. heavy. Yeah. That Agreed. you believe is just the guy from the gutters mm-hmm. type of individual. And I had forgotten that Morgan Freeman was in it as the blind guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's been yeah. a minute since I've seen that one. That's a good movie. And the girl is obviously you said from Rome, she's the voice in the MCU. Once Jarvis becomes vision, she's the voice that takes over in Tony's head. So, Oh, uh, Friday, what's Friday. Polly something. Oh, is it Paul? Yeah. Oh, the actress's name. Yeah. Oh yeah. What is her name? Uh, I think Polly is the mom in Rome. Yeah, it's not her. Who is it in Rome? Let me see. Which uh, actress? Yeah, Paul, oh, Carrie Condon. Uh, yeah, Polly Walker is the mom of yeah, yeah, yeah. the girl. Carrie, I think it's Carrie. Yeah, Carrie. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, Carrie Condon. That's her name. Yeah. She plays Friday. She's been a better call Saul, apparently, uh, uh, for the last five years. So hmm. I need to yeah. catch up on that. Yeah, yeah, and Ray Donovan. Oh, I forget she's in Ray Donovan. That's right. Uh, yeah, all right. So where are we at there? What number are we at? To- oh, yeah, so we're up to my number six. So mm-hmm. my six is, and this is only because, it's not higher, only because, like, I kind of like the other films more. I watch them more, but my six is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Okay, sure. Yeah, just a, a really magical film from Ang Lee. I love the fight sequences here with Chow Yun-Fat. I love the mysticism of it all and uh, the fight sequences uh, with uh, Michelle Yao as well. Um, oh, God, who's the girl? Who's the main girl? This is bad. My brain is such mush right now. Uh, oh, gosh, I should have pulled it up. Ahead of time. Um, yeah, Chow Yun-Fat, Michelle Yao. Oh, yeah, Zi Yi Zhang. Ji Yang, she plays the young girl who's the center of all of this. But there are a lot of cool fight sequences with swords, with martial arts, you know, the trees swinging down, flying down, all that kind of the Wong Kar Wai stuff um, is uh, is uh, my kind of stuff. Uh, so I enjoyed the film a lot. Still want to go back to the sequel was eh, didn't have the same magic, but I think it's still a, a damn good film to go back to and revisit. It's been 21 years since that film come out came out and I saw it like last year again and it's stellar. Really? Absolutely stellar. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't I haven't watched it since I originally Oh, okay. Saw it. So uh I remember liking it, but I didn't right. I didn't it didn't captivate me the way it did others. Yeah, yeah. Um but it's a it's a beautiful film. That's for sure. That's for sure. Um and I did because you fight the reason I put it on this is because it's got so many fight sequences, right? And so many different types of fighting. Yeah. You've got the swords, you've got the stars, you know, and then you've got the the uh, pole, and you've got the the girl that fights like she's fighting with spider's web type thing, like with the with the sashes and stuff mm-hmm. is pretty cool. The fox, whatever her name is, and then of course uh, all the stuff with actually hand to hand martial arts that, that pops up as well. But uh, this whole story of like unrequited love between Chow Yun Fat and Michelle Yao is so powerfully uh, laid out as well uh, as a subtext throughout the film. Um, okay, let's jump into our top fives, man. What's your five? My five is uh, When We Were Kings, second uh Oh, good choice. My list. Fuck, I should have put that on my list. That's a great choice. All right, go ahead, man. Uh, it's, I mean, what, it's, it's one of the best sports documentaries that you're ever going to find. Um, yeah, it's a fascinating look at one of the most pivotal sports events yeah. of the 70s. Um, and 
you know, it, it's about the rumble in the jungle yeah. uh, with with uh, Ali and Foreman mm-hmm. and all the behind the scenes of everything that they were going through and the turmoil in their lives. And then once they get to the country and all the nonsense that is going on there between promoters and the local populace, uh, and it's just a fascinating glimpse at this huge cultural event that happened before, you know, I was born, but it loomed large in my imagination Mm -hmm. and always has. It's a, you have the classic of rumble in the jungle, but then you have rope a dope. Uh, Two things from this that have always existed for me within uh, the the vernacular terminology of boxing. Yeah. Um, But to get a glimpse of a better idea of who Ali was um, is pretty fascinating. And it, really helps you understand why he was such a captivating figure mm-hmm. um and so beloved yeah um this kind of larger than life uh persona and how like it's amazing how he, he manages to get hit the entire populace <laughs> to join on his side when there is a massive language barrier yeah uh you know we Way back when in the Schmodown, we did the top 10 boom, IA. Yeah, yeah. It comes from Ali finding out, oh, boom, IA, and just started doing that during his jogs or whatnot and became an anthem and a battle cry right. of the, the local populace as they sided with Ali and how he's turning this almost entire nation yeah. against Foreman. Yeah, great point. Yeah. On top of, at home, the division of who you thought was going to win. Right came down to in in some circles a, a political divide mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of the radical ali and you don't side with his politics or his religion or whatever the case is yeah um i don't know it's just a fascinating documentary and thoroughly recommended i'm as do you yeah a thousand percent i do and it's it's they did a criterion collection for it so if you guys really love the documentary and you want to dive into it there's so many awesome special features throughout that criterion uh, that you can enjoy the movie even more and enjoy what was going on. I think they include the entire concert that gets used. Oh, wow. The film. Yeah. With, with BB King and James Brown. And I think the temptations were down there. Like everybody that was down there, they include all that stuff uh, on there. So if you really want to dive in, that's the one to get, but yes, just, just the documentary itself is yeah. brilliant alone from George Plimpton and Norman Mailer talking about what their experiences were. Thomas Hauser, who is the big biographer for Ali for a number of years, all of them explaining and putting you in the mindset of what was going on at the time. And then, you know, uh, showing you how this all came about. And Matt, it's almost bittersweet because you see Ali at the height of his powers as a human being. And like, if he had just quit after that fight, who knows what, how his life could have gone? Who knows if he'd have become a senator, possibly president? It was all in play for sure because he was such a guy who took powerful stances uh, on, on the social justice side of things and would have been a phenomenal leader as we go into the late 70s and 80s. What would have been his impact as a leader politically? Uh, it would have been fascinating to see, uh, mm. but he couldn't let go you know, the boxing thing and wanted to keep proving himself and yeah. eventually bit him in the ass, you know, and, and I think he's a test case for, or a, what do they call that? A, a cautionary tale for a lot of people who get into boxing, like get to that point 
win the titles. Once you start to feel that end happening, run on out. You know, we had uh, we interviewed Lennox Lewis a while ago, you and I, and very well-spoken guy on top of things. Great to converse with him. But what if he had stayed in longer, past his prime? Who knows yeah. how, how he would have ended up, you know? Yeah, he ended up punch drunk or something. Yeah, like Tyson. Like Tyson got out just at the right time, and him coming back for those exhibition matches, they are what they are, but he's still somewhat, you know, on top of things, so. Uh, but yeah, an incredible documentary. That's a great slice of that time period in our world for sure. Um, okay, so then my five is uh, Rocky Four. Rocky Four. That is a punt. <laughs> All right, what's your four, man? Uh, my four is Cinderella Man. Oh, nice, dude. Nice choice. Yeah, I usually would have put it on there, but like I said, trying to highlight other ones. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I wish I had the brain power to. No, please. Don't get sweat. beyond uh just the the cursory examples that uh, that I have but uh I actually rewatched it not long ago um mm. and uh still just as good I think um oh yeah I think what people may ding it for is you know you don't really see glimpses of the boxing or who Braddock was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or why we should know this individual because we have to basically set the stage for the great depression and how that has humbled him as as the nation mm-hmm. uh you know at one point in the movie that uh he's down at the docks trying to get a job and he walks over a newspaper and they you know ron howard cuts the newspaper and record high unemployment at 15 million people yeah um they just give you a glimpse of what the nation was going through and uh talk about the hoovervilles in central park and um just the general decline of the country yeah and uh then the eventual build, you know, you go look up afterwards, he takes on Max Bear to win yeah. the championship. Spoiler. <laughs> uh, but Max Bear, you know, basically got out of boxing on some level after that. Yeah. And you would think that uh, given how brash he was, that he would have, you know, he killed minimum one, but I think two men in the ring. Uh, he was a brute of an individual. Now, eventually he got into a little bit of acting, did a little this, little that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then his son became a fairly famous actor. Yeah. Um, Jethro on the Beverly Hillbillies. Right. That's right. That's right. Uh, but I think it's the, like the build. I, I, I appreciate the fact that you have to lay the groundwork for, how the De- the Great Depression really devastated all these individuals and what it meant to see mm-hmm. someone go from breadlines and public assistance to yeah. becoming the champion, the world champion, and held yeah. it for two years. And they have a code at the end saying that he eventually loses to Joe Lewis, but Joe Lewis says that he was uh, like the one of the best fighters he ever took on. Yeah. Um, this guy, you know, some Irish guy from New Jersey. And, uh, you know, whether or not it's true, working down at the docks, he broke his right hand when he took a, a you know, a match when he wasn't fully healthy mm-hmm. and he could only use his left. So then we started boxing again legitimately. Suddenly his left had a pop that it never had before and he still had his stellar right. And it yeah. was the combination of those two things now. But, um, yeah, it's kind of crazy that, it didn't do well at the box office because it's a perfect type of Americana movie. Underdog oh. strives, becomes world champion, you know, from the, the most destitute state to 
the greatest in the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. How it didn't do better. I don't know. Plus, it was in that Russell Crowe run of this guy yeah. gets nominated for an Oscar every year. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, I think it's period piece boxing movies, man. I mean, they're they're tough to get people into the theater for, for whatever yeah. reason. I mean, sports is already kind of a niche thing in terms of movies, right? And so it's like you start to add boxing and make it even more niche. So, like, is this a story that people knew? Uh, and do they want to go back to Depression-era times? I just don't know that a lot of people run out to see those kinds of movies. But sadly, they missed out on a fantastic one. And I agree with you, Matt. It holds up today as much as it held up in the past. And I've even grown to appreciate uh, Reese Witherspoon. Uh, sorry, not to, uh, sorry. Um, Renee Zellweger? Renee Zellweger's performance even more so uh, as the years have gone on. Because sometimes I've kind of dinged her a little bit as I watched the movie. But she's actually kind of, you know, fighting for her kids and doesn't want her husband to get brain damage. And doesn't want, yeah. you know, she even knew like what the perils were it's almost like an adrian type thing and when he's gonna fight Drago, like you can't win rock you know it's that fear that uh that your significant partner has and and rightfully so you know because yeah. it, 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 anything can happen and do you want to be taking care of a bunch of kids and a punch drunk husband during the depression that's a hell of a thing to add on to a person and put pressure on them so luckily things worked out the way they did and of course you see the post uh post film uh you know uh text that comes up tells you what happened with him and mm-hmm. it was great to see but it's a fantastically well-directed film the fight sequences are well done and yes max Baer has turned into a stereotypical villain which is unfortunate but uh craig bierko does an incredible job yeah he does of instilling menace in max Baer in a way that really does kind of shake you up a little bit before the fight happens um and his punches look brutal matt when you're watching that final fight yeah i I mean it looks like a style of boxing that doesn't exist anymore because he holds the dude's chin with his left and then just boom and they're they're not making that up i'm sure there's stock footage which you can find that it's like that's ridiculous Yeah. yeah just pummeling men yeah and Giamatti is fantastic in it as well. Yeah. Of course, yeah. We've talked about his top 10 recently. Um, all right, so then where are we at? My four? Yeah. My four is The Raid. Is that a punt as well? No, I didn't. Uh, I, I was looking for sanctioned fights. Like, Oh, that's right. You said that at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, right. I didn't include The Raid. Anything that's got like guns and all that stuff, I that's just kept true. off as a way to winnow down the choices. Fair point, fair point. I'll just roll through it real quick because we talked about it numerous times on the show. Yeah. I, I just love the, uh, the fight sequences. You're right. The gun stuff I can do without, but the actual one-on-one or one-on-two fight sequences are just so unforgettable and stellar. Oh, yeah. And I prefer this one over Redemption. Uh, but I, you know, that's why I put uh, the or is it is it Raid Redemption the first one or is it the yeah the Raid Redemption is the first one and the okay. Raid Two, like I don't know what the second part of that title is. Okay, all right. So Raid Redemption is the one I prefer. I think it's a tighter story. Yeah, me too. I think it's a more interesting story. And so they have and all the different ways they fight the different levels of the of the uh, uh, apartment building are stellar, just stellar. So that's uh, that's why it's where it's at. What you saying? Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. That that. Fight scene in the hallway where he takes on numerous guys. Oh, Lord. I I was laughing because the violence was so <laughs> over the top. It was cartoonish and yet still right. somewhat believable. But when yeah. he takes the guy's head and he bangs it into the wall as the guy is falling downward and he hits him like what seems like 20 times. Like, oh. bub, 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 bub. And yeah. I mean, I started laughing because I couldn't process the information any other way. It's it's. It's amazing. Yeah. But once again, yeah, uh, it's an excellent choice. 
Yeah. Had Gareth I opened Evans. it up, a raid would have made my list for sure. Totally. I know it does. It's one of your favorites. Gareth Evans uh, doing Gangs of London. So if you haven't seen Gangs of London, do yourself a favor. I think it's on the regular AMC now that you can like watch it on demand on your yeah. for free on your on your channels or your systems rather. And so watch it because Gareth Evans, the way he directs fighting sequences is very unique and awesome uh, for sure. Uh, all right. What's your three? Uh, my three is Warrior. Uh, all right. That's a punt. Okay. So I guess you know what happens there. All right. So my three is The Matrix. Oh, great choice. Yeah, you said, I know you said sanctioned fights, but this one is just, the fight yeah. sequences are still, I mean, and I don't mean fucking Fishburn and Keanu Reeves in the dojo. I'm talking about everything that goes on. Him and mm-hmm. him and uh, Hugo Weaving. I mean, it's hard to believe those two guys can deliver such an incredible martial arts fight, but they do multiple times throughout this movie and of course the opening sequence with Carrie Ann Moss kicking the shit out of all those cops yeah. is pretty awesome and the visuals of these fights are stellar the overall green hue to it mm-hmm. is so cool the journey that Mr. Anderson or that uh, uh, um, Keanu Reeves' character goes on Neo goes on is stellar so the fight sequences are just incredible and then you get to the bullet time stuff where he's dodging the bullets yeah. That adds even more elements to it. And then, of course, the final fight sequence with him and all the other agents. Just great, great stuff. Still holds up. Still a classic. Still a masterpiece of sci-fi, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, as we've discussed in the past, the, that movie is so good that I'm holding out hope for the fourth one. Yeah. Me too, Bo. Me too. Because, they, you know, <sighs> they, they they captured so much magic in that that it seems completely plausible that they could do it again, even though, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of two and three. Right. Um, right. Three especially. Uh, yeah. But it's like, oh, man, so many, so many interesting ideas that you, mm. you know, uh, took from other influences and brought together in this. It's just yeah. magic. Yep. Um, but yeah, the fight scenes are second to none. I just love the idea of being able to download into your head. Mm. I know now, like I know jujitsu is like, okay, show me. <laughs> but within I this world, jiu-jitsu. it's like now I, yeah, now yeah. I know how to do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's such a great little plot device to be able to turn someone, an average Joe into the best fighter in the world. Yeah. Um, all right, that was my three. So what's your two? Uh my deuce is Rocky Four. Oh. Nice. Um, so that's a punt. That was the punt from earlier. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's the best Rocky movie. <laughs> it's uh you know, uh, even in you include the creeds, it's still the best Rocky movie. Yep. Hands down. We defeated communism. We did. With that movie. Uh, came down only a couple of years later, a few years later. Exactly. Do I think Stallone was on steroids in that, even though they're painting Drago as the steroid user? I don't know. I don't get involved with that. Politics. I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> I just like that, that for the where I'm at right now, there's only one other movie on this list that I would rather watch today because I can completely check out yeah. and enjoy the living hell out of the movie overall. Yeah. Even the ridiculous speech at the end that is just perfect. It fits the movie oh to a T. If I can change, you can change. We all can change. We all, yeah. Come but on. honestly, you know what, what I do like about that is that is 
representative of the type of speech that he would give. Yeah. It's not going to be some Shakespearean no, no, no. eloquence. It's going to be some blue collar, you know, uh, rough hewn, just simplistic terms. This is um, what he's got, Matt. This is what he's got to deliver. And yeah. Straight to the point. No flowery language. No. Um, but then like, you know, the fight with Creed when Creed is killed and oh, just, yeah, just brutal. The first time I saw that, um, but that final fight is, I mean, it's so over the top. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I, I put it to where I put, uh, just cause these other films, I would, I just respect in a different way more sure. than that one. And as cool as that speech is, it's pretty fucking cheesy. So I oh, it's cheese it. city. I ding yeah, I ding it for that. But the the whole training montages. I was talking about this because I'm studying for an upcoming Rocky exhibition match in the Schmodown. And like I, I I've been talking with some people about it, have been helping me study. And it's like this is the, at the end of the day, as as much as I love all the Rockies, this is the one I go back to and watch the most. And I probably know it from back to front the most, uh, because I've seen it so many times. It's got the best soundtrack in terms of actual songs. Not the scores, because Bill Conti, of course, owns the Rocky series with his incredible work there. But mm-hmm. also, you get kind of Stallone at the peak of being Rocky. You know, he's cleaned up. He's very much uh, um, a guy who's embraced his, you know, and gotten through his inner demons. Uh, and he's now kind of doling advice out to Apollo, who Apollo had pulled him out of this quagmire in Rocky Three. And got him back into a a better frame of mind and a mindset to defeat Clubber Lang. Um, he started Rocky Four. It's Apollo who's having trouble letting go of fighting again, and maybe mm-hmm. even because he might have beat Rocky in that rematch that they had off the books uh, in that gym. And maybe Apollo thought, well, if I can take on the what was the heavyweight champion of the world before they stripped him of the belt, then. I, or what is the heavyweight champion of the world, I guess, because it doesn't get stripped to Rocky Four, then I yeah. can take on Dragon, you know, a rookie, Russian, and what have you. And it's Rocky who's trying to stop him. It's uh, Adrian who's trying to stop him. Paulie's trying to stop him. Uh, but Rocky eventually gives in and because he loves his friends so much and then has to carry the guilt of his friend's death. Because I don't think it would have mattered if you'd thrown in the towel. I think Drago would have caught the towel and threw it back out of the ring and killed Apollo anyway. Um and so when he's going through the training montages and everything like that, there's more um, um, determination, more reason. And this time he he doesn't need Adrian, Matt. It's that it's that secret. Like she's like, you can't win. He's like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm gonna go do it myself. I don't need you. Not like Rocky Three, where he couldn't train, or Rocky Two, where he couldn't train without her. In Rocky Four, is the first time where he's like, I gotta do this for me. This is about me. This is not about you and me anymore and if you don't want to believe what i'm doing that's fine you live your life i gotta do this whether you like it or not and she eventually comes over and she's like you know no matter what so it's a unique rocky film that kind of breaks the patterns of Mm -hmm. what we've seen before and has some of the best montages and a pretty damn good final fight to be honest with you so yeah. yeah yeah um okay so where are we at my two which is kill bill volume one okay yeah I mean, that just for the fight alone near the end with all those people there. But everything she does to kind of come back from the stuff that she had to endure, 
and then everything she goes through to kind of put herself back, the fights with Vernita Green in her house, the fight uh, later on when she fights Oren Ishii after she's fought everybody. Um, and it's an overall stellar fucking film. So that's why I put it on my list because it's one I go back to all the time. I love her performance in the movie. Uh, and uh, the fight sequences are, are so well done. And it's a great homage to the best of martial arts movies um, done in a, in a standard, or not standard, but done in an unusually awesome Quentin Tarantino way. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's my number two. Anything to say on that, or should we move on to your one? Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I It's not your thing. Kill, I think Kill Bills is fine. Okay. Whereas right. I, I know quite a few people that that is their favorite Tarantino Mm. you know by leaps and bounds and yeah. uh it's like oh man i would rather watch like four others of his five others of his before <laughs> i watched kill bill understood yeah understood. but teach their own yeah of course that's what the show the show the show is the show uh all right what do you got at number one brother uh the on this list the one that i would happily watch the most today was the punt from earlier blood sport oh <laughs> number one Yep. I love it. I love it. Go ahead, man. Uh, uh, dude, Frank Dukes is a national hero. <laughs> and sure. the Kumite, <laughs> I would love to see the Kumite, wouldn't you? Oh, my God, yes. In real life? Oh, yes. yeah. Like, you're just in Hong Kong, and you get to go to this underground fighting tournament. Oh, yeah. That's hypothetically people could die in whatnot yeah. and it's all these different fighters from around the world with different styles i do love that you see like completely different individuals over and over and over again yeah how they stack up uh you know there's uh, uh but it's the only van damme movie that i i put on here because mm. it's got all the sanctioned fighting yeah. within it but i i just it's the movie I could watch right now, and I may put it on today. I mean, sanctioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, an actual, like, <laughs> we're in a ring, you yeah. know, or on a fighting <laughs> platform, I guess, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I, I, it's just a classic to me. I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's I, clearly I, made for guys our age. Oh, totally. I don't disagree with you, dude. It's a great fucking movie. Great fucking movie. Uh, and not, you know, of course, not a, you know, Godfather Part Two or anything like that. But yeah, it's a no. great fucking movie for what it is. And, exactly. And and yes, it's cheesy and it's all of that. But for whatever reason, and this is why he became a superstar. Van Damme's performance in that film, at least for a little while, Van Damme's performance in that film uh, breaks through all the normal cheesiness. I mean, we've seen Jeff Speakman. We've seen. So even Chuck Norris, to a degree, we've seen these guys come through and have these moments, mm -hmm. but even Seagal, but Van Damme is the one who has somehow found a way to parlay the early run of films into a career that's still going. You know, the Jean Clan Van, Van Johnson show on Amazon Prime. Did JC you watch that? Yeah, I did. Actually, it's kind of funny. It's not bad. I saw the first couple episodes. I was like, ah, oh, this, you know, it's good. It yeah. doesn't really capture my attention. So it's trading in on his chart. That's really what it is. And mm -hmm. a JCVD. And even now he still does occasional uh, films and whatever. And he's a great interview because he's fucking nutty as hell. So uh, he's still around. And, but this film is the one that kind of made him stand out from all the other people. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it's his So There's something about him. You can't quantify it. And the film is so odd because that's forced Whitaker in this shit. Um, yeah, I know. It's one of the FBI agents. Yeah. Yeah. But the fighting sequences are great. 
boogers in oh not boogers with ogres in this ogres thing. in this yeah and then uh, of course the 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 final fight at the end with bolo young which is so awesome and his like ah what he can't see i mean his pectoral muscles don't make sense <laughs> bolo young yeah bolo, yeah 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 it doesn't so, it doesn't like physiologically they're just yeah. they're huge for yeah. i think they're disproportionately massive just dude's got pecs for days yeah yeah for sure um okay so there you go so then my number one is the punch from earlier as well which is warrior sure uh, i mean how could i not i mean i i love that film to pieces gavin o'connor doing a great job directing that film joel edgerton tom hardy nick nolte uh jennifer morrison i think her name is yeah great stuff all around uh throughout this. oh yeah, yeah yeah from house yeah yeah, she plays the wife. So all of it through, I just love it to pieces. Uh, and I think it's the, I think it's just a film that says so much about uh, brotherhood, about family, about military stuff. And also in the end about like your own journey out of guilt um, uh, because of a situation that you got into in the military, but also a situation you couldn't avoid, which is the separation of your family. So it's just all of it. And you're watching it play itself out through these two different prisms. One took it and became this, you know, father and teacher and husband and with children. The other took it and became this kind of brooding warrior, literally, and uh, in the military processing his feelings about the betrayal he felt from certain members of his family, his close-knit family, when the divorce happened. So, mm-hmm. um, and then of course, carrying the, and then how much the, having an alcoholic father who is still who is sober but still the memories of what he did to them when they were younger is still resonating for both of them yeah carrying it throughout the film so a lot of a lot and and some phenomenal mma fucking fight sequences as well throughout yeah uh yeah just a it transcends being a fight movie yeah yeah because you know it's about a family yep and the struggles amongst all these individuals. And then you have like the Iraq war stuff thrown in for Tom Hardy's character. Right. Uh, and then Edgerton and his family. Uh, it just, it's good. They, you know, the fighting is uh, a, a key part of the movie overall, but I yeah. genuinely feel like it's, it's more about the character interaction mm-hmm. um, than anything else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. Well, there's our, uh, lists overall, our separate lists. We're going to compile them now into one big list and give you our official top 10 movies about fighting list. Uh, I'm grabbing the bongos now. All right. Oh, still got an email. Sorry about that. Um, okay. Matt, uh, are you going to put it together? Are we putting it together? Yeah, Here. that's fine. Okay. Um, so warrior ends up at one. Oh, nice. Well, it's one three, so I don't nothing's yeah. beating Bloodsport. You have where again? It's way lower. Uh, Bloodsport is my number eight. Yeah. What about Rocky Four? Rocky Four is my number five. All right. So then I would say Rocky Four. We don't have anything else in common beyond that. No, I don't think so. All right. So I would just say. Do those three since we both have them, and then from there we can just do the trade off. What's your next highest? Uh, Kill Bill Volume One at two. All right, Kill Bill it is. Next highest after that, uh, The Matrix at number three. 
Alright, Matrix it is. Highest? Uh the raid at four. Um all right, I get Cinderella man, but I'll put the raid over. Okay. Okay. Um all right, I got my five. Yeah, my five is Rocky Four, so knock yourself out. What's your all five? right. Five there. Kings. How many have we got um, left? Two left. Okay. Um, I got my six. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. All right. I got Karate Kid at six. So oh, you got a coin. Kid. You want to flip a coin? Nah, put Karate Kid up there, man. All right. I'm fine with that. The fans wanted it on the chat as well. So okay. who am I to argue with the fans? All right. There we go. Easy peasy. Oh, nice. Okay. No need for the coin. Nice. All right. Here we go. The top 10 movies about fighting. Yeah. At number 10. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. At number nine. The Karate Kid. At number eight. When We Were Kings. At number seven. Cinderella Man. At number six. The Raid. At number five. The Matrix. At number four. Kill Bill Volume One. At number three, Bloodsport. Coming in at numero dos. It's Rocky Four. And our number one movie about fighting is... Is Warrior. Come out and play. Uh, Good stuff, everyone. And uh, Matt, thank you all so much for joining us live. Uh, all you $10 and above patrons, you get to watch us every second and fourth Thursday of every month. We come to you live. Is that correct, Matt? Second and fourth Thursday? Am I uh, that right? it is. Second yeah. and fourth. And uh, it's always nice to see everybody that joins us in the chat. Yeah. And uh, so thanks to everybody that uh, that showed up today. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. And um, I know I'll be in better spirits uh, <laughs> on the next live show. So uh, be a slight, slight bit more animated. Thank but you for powering through it, Matt. The show must go on. Hey, yeah. Thanks to Mason Sasser, Mason Sasser, Drew Enns, uh, Matthew Simmons. I want to give some love to everybody who's been roaming around with us. Colson Coleopolis rolled up in here. Always nice to see Colson uh, as well. James, just a guy named James, really row. Um, and I believe that's everybody. And Drew Enns, I did say Drew, and then Philippe Hunt, Philippe Hunt, of course. Thank you all so much for joining us here live. And if you're not a member of the patron, you can do so right above my head there, patreon.com slash the top 10. Uh, or if you're listening, you can go to that address and see the tiers. But $10 above gets uh, you access to watch us do two shows live uh, every second and fourth Thursday of the month. You get to know the topic ahead of time. You get to hear the show or watch the show ahead of time. And you get to have your comments brought onto the screen so we can respond to them. Um, anything else to say, Matt, on your end? What have you got to plug or promote? Um, follow the show at Top Ten Show on Twitter and on Instagram and YouTube. It is the Top Ten Podcast with the number 10. So hit us up over there if you want to see any of the stuff we're doing. And uh, you can follow me anywhere at Matt Knows. Check out Settle the Score and Dropping Dimes. And that is it for me this week. There you go. Follow me at the Roka says on Twitter and on Instagram. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, I've got the cinephiles and the geek buddies as podcasts. And then come on over to my YouTube channel as well. YouTube.com slash John Roka says the outlaw nation. All right, we're out of here. Much love to all of you. Take care of yourselves. And if you're getting vaccinated like Matt, make sure you take it easy, take it slow, 
drink a lot of water and rest. And we'll talk to you next time on another brand new episode of the Top 10 Show. Ooh.